Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. <laughs> so my final message to us as a church, as your leader, uh, is entitled Boundless Imagination. Boundless Imagination is uh, part of a two-part series uh, called Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. I've always been, been a dreamer. That has worked to my advantage. That has also worked against me, especially uh, with well-meaning friends. Uh, when, when I was 17 years old, I've always dre- I've dreamed of greatness. I've dreamed of making a difference in the world. And my friends around me thought that it, I was basically above and beyond myself. And so they were not so nice, a bit like Joseph's brothers. Uh, I've been through the pit. I've been through through the prison. Uh, But the fact of the matter is the dreams were still alive. And so I want to encourage all of us, right, regardless of what well-meaning friends are saying to you, keep on dreaming. Amen? And so part of uh, that process uh, for me uh, involves a very uh, active mind. I've, 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 I've imagined uh, myself doing different things and I must say that that's a gift that God has given to us. In fact, I believe one of, one of the greatest gifts God has given to you and I is our imagination. It is very, very true. So what exactly is imagination? It is the ability to see and create things in your mind, the ability to see and create things in your mind. And the reason you have this gift is because God made you in His likeness. God imagines, He imagined the entire universe and then He spoke the word and there was plants, animals, light, colors. God imagined the world and then He created the world. So you are most like your creator when you are being creative. And I believe that when you imagine, God actually smiles when you use your imagination for good. And so this morning, I want to just speak into that and I want to encourage all of us to use your sanctified imagination in the next season of our church. Not just for the city, but also for your own life, for your own family, for your own career, for your own calling, for what God can do in and through you. Just imagine what can happen when all of us are sanctified dreamers. Somebody say, Amen. So nothing becomes reality until someone imagines it. Everything man has created was first imagined. Without imagination, most of us cannot even make decisions. And so let's see some of our, our heroes. Uh, again, as I said last Sunday, I don't know whether they are believers, but as I said, if God can speak through donkeys, He can speak through anyone. So if you do some research and if they are not really sanctified in their character, just see them as donkeys. Huh? Okay, but these are people that we all admire. So Einstein... Very smart, very intelligent. We all thought that he's, the, he's probably, you know, the ace student. He, has been, he, he was into his books, into, into knowledge. But this is what Einstein said. He said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from point A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. The true sign of, of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. I totally believe that. George Bernard Shaw, a poet and author, he says this, 
Imagination is the beginning of creation. You imagine what you, you desire and you will what you imagine and you create what you will. C.S. Lewis, whom I believe is a believer, <laughs> says this, imagination is the organ of meaning. George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars, many of you are fans, says this, you can't do it unless you imagine it. If you've been to Disneyland, Walt Disney, a hero of mine, watched his uh, live uh, documentary re recently and, and, and he says this, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. Can I say this? Let's apply this to our church. The city will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the house, in this room, with our people. Amen. Singapore, likewise, will never be completed. What we need, as I said last Sunday, is a new dream. What we need is a team of leaders, a nation that will imagine who we can become in God. Amen. So imagination is a, is a tool. It is meant to be used wisely. It is, in fact, a, a very powerful tool for believers, but also for people in the world. But let me say this. The Bible is, is actually quite clear that there are a few categories of imagination. All right. The Bible says that there are some things we should not imagine. In fact, it calls it, it, these things vain imaginations, empty, evil, vain imagination. In fact, to worry is a misuse of imagination. When you lust, you're just imagining things that were, were not supposed to be. Revenge, how I can kill that person, that plays into your mind. Uh, you know, all the plot and, the, uh, and what, you, what you intend to do, that's vain imagination. That, that's what you should not imagine. And the Bible actually says that God flooded the earth because at that point in time, there were only evil imaginations. And that's the reason why God sent a flood to destroy the first world. So these are things you should not imagine. Keep your, keep your mind sanctified, focus on God's Word, uh, dream godly dreams, vain imaginations, not God's will. Someone say, Amen. All right, if you are thinking, how can I revenge uh, you know, that guy that took away you know, my, my, my friend's boyfriend or girlfriend, for, for example, stop it. A vain imagination. I mean, there are some things we cannot imagine. We can't. For example, how powerful God is. As much as you can think how powerful God is, but if, if we try to imagine how powerful God is, we're actually limiting God's power because whatever that you, you think of, God is way powerful, way bigger, way more uh, potent. He's omnipotent, all right, than what you can imagine because our minds are limited. We cannot fully comprehend, fully imagine God's power. Likewise, with, with, with God's love, we cannot imagine how loving God is. When, whenever we put a limit to love, we are actually insulting, if I could say, uh, the measure of God's love. How high, how wide, how deep, how long is the love of God? So we cannot fully comprehend the love of God. Heaven! You can read all you want. You, you can walk into a mansion and you, and you thought, heaven must be that pretty. Can I tell you, heaven is uber time, all right? Much more amazing than what your mind can think of. Whatever that I've read from, from talking dogs to, to 
a street paved with gold to a mansion that is far beyond your wildest dreams and to colors that we've not seen before, to creatures that, uh, that, that we cannot even fathom. I tell you, friends, heaven is way beyond that. Your thoughts, when you think of things that, you know, God will pick it up, that our thoughts are audible in heaven and read books. I tell you, that will give you a glorious hope to look forward to, to the life to come. I've read many books of people's encounters in heaven, but can I say this? Heaven is even way beyond what you can read, what you can imagine, what you can think of. Heaven will be a wonderful place, which is why Paul said for me uh, to, to live is uh, Christ to die is gain. Paul said, how I wish I could go. He has been to third heaven. He has seen it all. And he, and he said, how I wish you know, to be absent from my body is to be with the Lord, but I'm only present because of you. And I want to give you a glorious hope that heaven will be an amazing place. But who oh my, can't imagine that. The second coming, you can read about it in the Bible. You hope for it. Uh, you sing about it. But I tell you, it's, it's going to be glorious and terrible. And we cannot even imagine things we can't imagine. But there are things we should imagine. There are things we must imagine. And that's what I want to talk to you about. There are things I've learned in the last many years as a Christian about God-inspired imagination. And I want to encourage us as a church to imagine with God, to create dream with God. The first thing I've learned is my imagination shapes my life. My imagination shapes my life. And that is true in, in history. When the Wright brothers wanted to fly, people thought that they are mad. They are lunatics. Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Edison, Bill Gates were considered as daydreamers when actually they were visualizing and imagining their vision. In fact, when Bill Gates said that he dreamed of a world uh, where in every household there will be a computer, Thomas Watson said before that that the world has only a, mar a market for five computers. How wrong was Thomas Watson? In your house today, I can almost guarantee you, you have at least two, if not three, computers. Personal laptop. In fact, you are carrying one with you right now. And that was someone's dream, Job's dream. Uh, flying today was someone's dream, but now it is a reality. What they dream of years ago are now solid reality. Most people tend, tend to treat imagination as something that has nothing to do with reality. And I tell you, that's wrong. Imagination has, imagination has much to do with reality. It shapes the way we see our reality and therefore affects our expectations and our hopes and our actions and our behavior. I will say this, that imagination is like software that programs our behaviors, our expectations, our actions. This means, my friends, that we have to be very careful with what we imagine. Since what we see in our mind's eye, in other words, imagination, can become our reality. If we imagine bad things, we program our mind accordingly. And sooner or later, see, act, behave accordingly. And that's exactly what the Bible says. In Proverbs 23 verse 7, Proverbs says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Proverbs 4.23 says, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. And God warned about Babel, about using or misusing the power of imagination. He, in, the Bible says in, in uh, 
in, uh, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, the Lord said, Now there are one people speaking one language. This is only the beginning of what they will do. Now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. That's the power of imagination. Now that's a negative example, but likewise, a positive example is, hey church, if we speak one language, if we have one heart, then nothing we can imagine in God will be impossible for us. Nothing we can imagine in God will be impossible for us. There's a very interesting story in the Bible of, that illustrates the power of seeing it with our mind's eye. And this is the story of Jacob. And you know the story, he was uh, running away from uh, his elder brother Esau and he was with his, uh, now un- uh, his uncle, now father-in-law, Laban. And he has worked for Laban 14 years and he has been, uh, and he has been taken advantage of. So he was basically eating his own medicine. Right? And at the end of his uh, time with Laban, he said, I need to go back to uh, my land, to my household. And he was almost going back empty-handed. You know, when he had this thought, and he said, I need, I need my wage. Why don't you pay me right? uh, with sheep and, and, and goats? And, and uh, Jacob said, all the speckled, spotted, and striped sheep will be mine. And of course, uh, and of course Laban was like, yay, of that's a, that's a bad deal for Jacob because all my sheep were all white. There was no speckled, spotted, and stripes. And so Laban said, deal. And what Jacob did was very interesting. He had uh, this, uh, what do you call it, a, 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 a pole, like some, a, a, some, some, had this thing, all right, shoots. And he started to like, you know, spot, spot it, spike, uh, speckle it, stripe it, and uh, he put it at the water where the sheep would come and drink every day. And so soon they consummate and then they have got little lamb. And the, and the interesting thing is all those lambs came out speckled, spotted, and stripes. And that's what, what the Bible says in, Proverbs, uh, in Genesis chapter 30, verses 38 and 39. He says, He set the rods, rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink and they mated and when they, came to, uh, when they came to drink, so the flocks mated by the rods and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled and spotted. I learned this principle from my Indian friend, Nikki Raibodi. Right? So I, I heard him spoke in a camp, speak in a camp years ago and he said, from this story, we learned one thing and I want all of us to learn this. This has become a life lesson. He said, Whatever I see, what I see produces an, an image in me, next slide please, that becomes a driving force in my life. That's the power of imagination. What I see becomes uh, an image in me that becomes a driving force in my life. All these sheep that were white were looking at rocks that were speckled, spotted and stripes. When they mated, what came out Oh no, it was speckled, spotted, and striped. That's the power of our visual. That's the power of imagination. That's, that, that's the power of how we see ourselves. And so Nikki told this story in India when he was ministering you know, of uh, people that he knew. So um, there were two very dark Indians, all right, very, very dark. But the wife has always wanted to have a, a white baby. 
and the family all said, it's impossible. Both of you are dark. The DNA or genetics says that, you, that your baby will come out dark. All right? But the wife learned this principle and what she did was had a photo of, of a white baby on the fridge. Stick it on the fridge every day. Always look at that photo and say, I'll have a white baby. And the family all thought that show was crazy. The husband thought, you are dreaming. But kept confessing, declaring, looking at this white baby. And guess what? You know the end of the story. The baby came out fair skin from two very dark And the application isn't like looking at someone handsome and trying to become like who you are not. I mean, I'm just kidding, all right? But put God's word, put God's dream, put God's promise in front of you. So my senior pastor then heard this when he was in India, heard Nikki for the first time, and he came back and he got our creative director to print out prophetic promises in A1, AO size and pin it uh, onto a cockboard and put it in his office. And every single day, he would just look at all these prophetic words and look at all these prophetic promises and declaring it over himself. And that's how we apply this principle. What you see, he produces an, an image in me that becomes a driving force in your life. What is driving you? Is, is it vain imagination or is it God's promise, God's dream, God's prophetic word for your life? Put it before you. That's exactly what God said to Joshua in transition. Moses, my servant is dead. Now Joshua, arise and lead my people. The same way I was with Moses, I will be with you. But the famous verse in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, let this word of the law not, not depart from your mouth, but let it always be before you. And, what, and it will make your way prosperous. Let the word always be before you. Let the promise, let God's dream for your life, Andre, for this church, the city, and for your vocation, for your business, so young, and for your destiny, church. What you see, what are you seeing? Let, it, let that produce an image in you. It becomes a driving force in your life. My imagination shapes my life. We are all a product of our imagination. See, imagining is essential to living by faith. We spoke about it last Sunday. Faith is basically the confident assurance of what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. We spoke about it, that God gave humans two ways of seeing, by physical vision, but also by imagination. The Bible calls that the eye of your heart. It calls it the eye of your heart. Our heart has got an eye. What are we looking at? What are we dreaming about? In order to hope for something, you've got to picture it in your mind's eye. The Bible is actually very visual. For example, communion. We've got the wafer, we've got the cup, and Paul said that this is the body of Christ broken for you. So, do you, do you see it as a wafer when you partake it or do you see it as a piece of the body of Christ, the broken body of Jesus? That's what I, what I do. All right, I looked at that wafer as a piece of, God's, of, of Christ's body. Now, it looks pretty like a wafer. <laughs> but it's, it can be graphic because that's in my mind. I said, God, I'm partaking. 
of your son's body, a piece of Jesus. And I said, this is for me. The blood of Christ, when you drink it, is blood. And, and, that, and that requires seeing it with your mind's eye. It was shared for you. Likewise, baptism. It requires you to imagine when you go into the waters of baptism, Andre was in there, and the Bible says you're being buried together with Christ. You can either see, as, see yourself as just getting wet, or, or you see yourself going into a casket, going into the ground, and being buried together with Jesus. Now, when I was baptized, I visualized myself being together with Jesus in the same tomb, right? And sharing in His death so I can be resurrected into the fullness of life. You use your mind's eye. And that's what the Bible is talking about. When God said to Abraham, count the stars. Do you think that's literal? Abraham, count the stars for as many as the stars you know, in the sky, so will your descendants be. I don't think Abraham went out and started to count, alright, uh, there are a million, two hundred thousand and fifty 531 stars. No, he ba- God is basically saying, look at the stars and use your imagination. This is how many people there will be in Abraham's lineage. And that's what the Bible says. We set our eyes not on what we see physically, but what we cannot see. What we see will last only for a short time. And that is true. Whatever that your eyes, your physical vision can see is only for a short time. But what we cannot see will last forever. And that's what I did when I was, when I was pioneering a youth group, for example. And we had a handful of very indifferent teenagers, Excel, Very indifferent. All right, they were in Sunday school. They were growing up. There was a small handful that joined us in my, uh, in, when I was leading a youth cell. One of them was Jason Chua, came to church, read, was radically saved, but he was still there because of girls, right? Like all 15 years old. And that's a great way of inviting people because all the best-looking girls are in church and all the women say, yeah. all right, so don't apologize for that. That was how Jason Chua, now an, an amazing prophetic leader in Singapore, came to Christ. Don't judge him. God can use anything, right, to get us saved. But that was my youth group. It was like just a, a, a small handful, indifferent. And I said, okay, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And of course, you heard my story. I met Bob Soggy. He says, raise up lovers of, uh, lovers of God. So that became my vision statement, transforming indifferent teenagers into passionate lovers of God. And I said, okay, that's a great vision. But how do we do it? And I said uh, in front of our church, there was a hall for 500 uh, people then, and I just visualized and said, God, will this hall ever be full with passionate lovers of God? Young, youthful, passionate. We had a handful of indifferent teenagers. I just looked there and I said, God, it looked impossible, but I can see it in my mind's eye. I just closed my eyes and I see every seat taken up. Young people in church, jumping punching their fists in the air. When I give an altar call, they all run down. They were in the front. They were crying. They were sobbing. The, the altar was full of tears and mucus. I see the cleaners coming after that and just cleaning up all the mucus. I'm seeing everything in my mind's eye. It was only a dream. 
And I'm proud to say that that dream came to pass, not because how great I am, but because I was partnering with God. I was dreaming together with God because you have to understand, the Bible says this, that you know, whatever I can think or dream or imagine, God can do exceedingly, abundantly, far above what we can even ask or imagine. So whatever you can ask or imagine, God can think way much bigger. And He did it. He did it. He's just looking for your partnership. He's looking for your mind to agree with God's dream. And I saw it. When it happened, it was still quite powerful though, Chris. When we had the whole place packed out and when 250 young people received Christ on one single day, we have dreamt about that. But I still remember vividly, Christine was just next to me, we were in the front and uh, our friend Chris Long was speaking and when he said, hands up, when we saw all those hands, we couldn't believe our eyes. I was like, are you serious? Is this for real? And when he's, and he said, let's take an, an, another step. He says, those of you with your hands up, walk forward. And we saw young people from different schools who packed 12 buses. So walking down from the center of the aisle, from the side of the aisle, I don't know whether were you guys there, but when they were walking down, I was tearing because even though I've seen it, but when it actually happened, I tell you, church, it is still something that, that, that's, that's beyond what I could even dream, think, or imagine. But, but I saw it in my mind's eye. When we planted this church, what I saw was a lot of young adults about to get married, dating, choosing life partner. What I saw were young families with a lot of kids. And, uh, we, saw, and we saw us doing marriage classes. We saw us laying foundation. We saw us walking together with people when, before they get married, help, helping them make the right decisions. When the kids come, saying the right things to, to them, imparting godly wisdom. I saw it. And can I say this? I think I'm seeing my dream. I think what I'm looking at right now was the fulfillment of what I saw eight, nine years ago in, in a seed form. But if I know that the seed is the right seed, I tell you, friends, in the next four, five years, the fruit will be amazing. I'm seeing it. We've got 60 plus children for a small church. That's, that's improportionate for our church. We've got 60 over children and we've got 150 young adults, young couples, teenagers. That's a lot of children. I'm seeing it. I've seen it. I've seen you in my mind's eye, in my imagination. And I think we're only at the beginning of that journey. And now I'm dreaming again. I'm saying to my wife, I say, okay, the, the next season, I'm dreaming of a National Marriage Day. I'm dreaming of uh, and what we can do with, with John Wong or someone else facilitating or interviewing people in, in our house. And we are, uh, we are breaking what we've learned from Married for Life into bite sizes. And we invite guests and we have a conversation around the power of agreement, how we agree. I'm just seeing all that. We're putting out content and we're sharing it with the world. And uh, we are we're telling our stories. I'm dreaming of Joy and I co-authoring a book on marriage. I'm dreaming. I'm just dreaming. I'm seeing it in my mind's eye. Will it ever come to pass? You bet. But it's far above, exceedingly, abundantly, far above what we can even ask or imagine. I don't think that we can ever out-dream or out-imagine God. Amen? But now I'm dreaming again. I was just saying, okay, now what do I do? What, what's, what's the brand? How's the logo look like? It's just, it's just me being Daniel Chua. 
I've always been Joseph the dreamer, being persecuted, being in the pit, being in the prison, but you can take my life, but you cannot take away my dreams. The day I stop dreaming is the, is the day I start dying. But, it's, but as long as I can dream my life, I'll carry unfulfilled dreams into my grave. I tell you that. I guarantee you that. Amen. Because my third point is great lives are built around great dreams. Uh, build around great dreams. Can I say this to all of us here? If you have been discouraged by yourself or with yourself, if you think that you are not great, you don't have the talent, if you think that you're just a one-talent person, can I say this, that there are no naturally great people, only great purposes that make you great. Only great purposes that make you great. Someone was uh, in the town that D.L. Moody was born and he was saying, is there any great... Uh, man ever been born in this town and, and, someone, and, and someone said no, there's, there's no great man only babies <laughs> I tell friends when you were born you were a child and there's greatness inside you but to become great is your choice it's your choice it's your choice to become great you can, you can either be like the rest of the world, just choose to take up space. You can either be like the rest of the kingdom of God, the church, just choose to be one in the seat every Sunday, or you can choose to make your life great. Make greatness your mission. Not recognition. It's very different. Hello? It's very different. You don't have to be recognized. In fact, great people doesn't have to be recognized. The Bible says this, that if you want to be great amongst men, you must become a servant of all. But make greatness your mission. Great lives are built around great dreams. And I pray that today I can help unlock your imagination for your future. Apply it to your own life, not just for this church, for your future, for your ministry, for your family for your finances. Why not? To be debt-free. Why not? For your career, your vocation, your calling, for your dreams. I, I want to help you imagine the future. I want to help us as a church imagine what this church could look like if we all lend our strength, if all, we all invest our talents, if, if we all come alongside our leader and say, Andre, we are not just behind you. We are with you. We are for you. We are for the city. That, that sounds like a slogan, right? With you, for you, for... Oh yeah, that's right. But it's true. Hey man, I tell you, it is absolutely true that if we dream together, if we have one heart, one mind, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. I, I want to read Ephesians chapter 1. This is my prayer for, for us. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, this is in the message translation. I ask the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is that God is calling you to do. Grabs the, uh, the immensity of, the, of, of this glorious way of life He has offered for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. I'm asking the God of glory to help us become intelligently discerning. You know why? Because life can get to us at times. Because what people have said about us 
push us down. But you, do you know what? The God of glory sees you differently. And I'm praying that the God of glory will help you see the way He sees you. What is your calling in life? What is our calling as a church? I want you to discover God's dream for your life. Because if you can't imagine your calling, then you are just simply existing. Without a dream, you are dying. You are dying. That's what the Bible says. Where there's no vision, the people perish. See, God's dream for my life is bigger than my dream. Uh, we've been quoting from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It's exponentially bigger. It's for a larger eternal significance. Can you just write this down somewhere? If not, just in your head, <laughs> in your heart. But God wants me to dream big. If you struggle with that statement, then you're struggling with identity. And I pray that you will find a breakthrough. God wants you to dream. If you struggle, even with that statement, then perhaps life has gotten a better hold of you. You need to re-listen to the soul prosperity message. <laughs> but a healthy whole soul dreams big because your father is a dreamer. Because your God is constantly creating, is constantly imagining. And he, He's looking for partners. I want to encourage you, read books on dreaming with God. Bill, has, Bill Johnson has got a great book called Dreaming with God. Great book. Let that realign your life. Dreaming big actually honors God. Because that means that you are like Him. And can I say this, church? Don't base your dream on what you could do. If there's something that you, you take away from this little encouragement, let the size of your God determine the size of your goals. Let the size of my God determine the size of my goals. People ask me, and since I made the an, an, an announcement public last week, great friends, right? Ministry friends text me and say, so that, what are you doing next? And of course, I list down things that, that I've been doing. But in that list, I need to have a new dream. And so I text and said, I'm not dreaming. I'm dreaming of a national marriage day. I'm dreaming of a national marriage conference. And that's just the beginning. All right. Of course, I've always lived by dream, uh, dream big, start small, go deep, Edmund Chan. I love that maxim. But I'm dreaming. All right. Can we have a national marriage day that, that makes marriage cool, trendy? Can, can we have a key message that, uh, that's stronger and louder than, oh, one in two marriage in Singapore ends in divorce, blah, blah, blah. We have heard this many times, right? haven't we? We've heard this like umpteen times and we even know it and we are rehearsing it and we are agreeing with the world. But can we have, can we change the narrative and can we say to people, hey, you've got 100% chance of having a great marriage? All right, now that seems like counterculture, right? But can that become the message? When people get married, that they know because there's a growing movement in Singapore that says you have a 100% chance of having a great marriage. In spite of what your parents have gone through, in spite of what you have been through yourself, you have a 100% chance. That's not what Daniel Chua says, that's what the Bible says. Great lives are built around great dreams. 
and doubt is an enemy of imagination. See, doubt and fear neutralize what God wants to do in your life. It takes courage to imagine. You must doubt your doubts, people. <laughs> doubt your doubts. S say silence to all the naysayers. You must move against your fears. Often, ignore all the insecurities. I want to encourage you. Be a contrarian. Whatever the world is saying to you, nod and say thank you very much, but inside you, I'm a contrarian. Whatever the world is saying to you. People will say you can never come back. You're beyond your peak. Just say thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. But inside you, you know, friends, that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That if God is for me, who can be against me? That one with God is always the majority. That if God can choose a Gideon who was hiding away in fear, he can use me. I am a contrarian. I agree only with God, not with popularity saying, not with what people are saying about me. I only choose to agree with God. I choose to surround myself with people who will lift me up in my dreams. I've, I've got mental frameworks. This is, this is strange. That actually encourages me when I'm feeling down. You've heard me share a few of these, right? Life is like two row of houses with, with monkeys in those houses that are throwing bananas at me because I'm a little young boy learning how to walk. I couldn't recognize uh, the, banana, the banana skin you know, from something on the ground and I'll sometimes slip and fall. But as long as I slip and fall and if I stay there, I'll always be in that spot. But the cross is still before me. My destiny is still in front of me. All I need to do, I say to myself, is to pick myself up and make a few steps forward. And if I slip and fall again, pick myself up and make a few steps forward. And listen, alright, the monkeys are always monkeys. Banana skins will always look the same. But Daniel Chua is growing up. But Daniel Chua is becoming smarter. He's now learning how to navigate around those banana skins. He's now learning how to rebuild those monkeys in those buildings. And the cross is still before me. The destiny that God has for my life is still before me. And I'll keep inching forward until the day when I picked up that prize and that crown that was prepared for me and then I can turn to the King of Glory and place that, that crown before His feet and say, you alone deserve all the glory, all the honour, all the praise. Come on, give God a praise offering. That's my, that's my imagination. It plays in my mind every time I feel weak, every time I feel lousy about myself. That's what drives me? That's me doubting my doubts. Whenever I hear the enemy say that you can't do it, look what you've just done. Look the mess you've created. I doubt my doubt and I just let that mental model drive me forward and say, there's just a few more steps, Daniel. There's just a few more steps. The monkeys are always monkeys. And it's a little bit like the mountain. You're looking at uh, a picture of Mount Everest and say, Mount Everest, you are the same size, but I, I, I can only grow bigger. I can only grow stronger. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to just reframe our world and say, hey, we can make a few steps forward. We can, we can just inch ourselves forward and make my life count. Amen. There will be challenges in this church, in your life, in your family, with your children. I doubt my doubts. I, I spoke to you about the prophetic word about my children and I said to myself, and I said to myself, you know, I said, 
what drives me? Can I say this to my kids? And you've heard me, this from me many times. But I've, oh, I've already, already dreamed of giving you know, a speech at my children's wedding. I know that, that, that sounds silly. They are teenagers. But as far as I'm concerned, they have already, they have already gotten married <laughs> to great partners who love them more than they love themselves. And I've already dreamed of me walking down the aisle with my girls with tears in my eyes. <laughs> but that's my imagination. That, that's not vain imagination. That's godly imagination because God wants my children to be married to great spouses. And God wants me to be as a father present in their wedding and giving them a word of wisdom. I wouldn't preach. I'll just show photos of them growing up with them running around with no clothes on. I mean, ew. <laughs> but that's me doubting my doubts. Whenever they misbehave, I doubt my doubts by imagining God. This is your prophetic promise over my life. Can I just teach you how I live my life? This is how I live my life. That's how I pick myself up. That's how my friends say, you're a bounce-back kid. I am. Not because I'm strong, but because I've got vivid imagination. <laughs> Super vivid imagination. It's amazing. It's amazing. See, as I said last Sunday, your imagination, will, will, your imagination will, will either be governed by fear or by faith. I choose to be governed by faith. There's this famous story of a father who came to Jesus with a sick son and said, God, if you're willing, just heal my son. And, and, and Jesus said, all things are possible for him who believe. And the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. And all of us, one way, one day or another, will say that. I believe, help my unbelief. And I wish that someone, when I was younger, have told me that I don't have to have perfect faith to live a powerful life. My faith can be weak. And I can say to God, God, I believe in you. Help me in my unbelief. Amen. Help me. I know all your words are real. All your promises are true. But I, I struggle with my unbelief. Will you help me with my unbelief? See, our dreams leak and we have got to fuel it with His Spirit, with His Word. Remind ourselves with God's words, God's Spirit. Those two verses on the screen, just take note of that and pray this over your life. Especially Psalm 119, verses 18 and 27. It says, open my eyes, God, to see wondrous truths in your Word. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful miracles. God, open my eyes. All these promises, unfold them, unlock them, break them down. Help me see. Last but not least, as I conclude, my final word, all right, as your leader in this house. I'll still be lead, uh, leading you, but as the leader in this house. Listen to this. If a dream is from God, it will be connected somehow to His church and His plan for the world. It's not 
to make you popular, famous. Now, this is all part of that dream, but, it, but that in itself must be connected to His church, His bride, His plan for the world. See, be, before Jesus ascended back to heaven, He, he engaged the imagination of, of 500 disciples. Just imagine this with me. Right? We've got more than 120 people in this room. Just imagine 500 people and he gathered them. He was on the Mount of Olives and he cast a vision. He says, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all I've commanded you, for behold, I'll be with you always. Now, when we say this today, we've got over a billion believers. And of course, of course, that all makes sense, but imagine 500 people fearful because there are 500 against an entire world. And now Jesus was engaging their imagination and Jesus was saying, go into all the world. And most of them maybe have never even left Galilee or left Capernaum. It's a bit like saying to, to someone who has never left his hometown, go into all the world. How big is the world? i got no idea. To all peoples, how many people's groups are there? No idea. Teach? I've never even taught my child. I can't even tell them one plus one is equals to two. Teaching all nations? And you have to understand that it seems far bigger, way beyond what they could even understand, comprehend. But Jesus was engaging their imagination. Going to all the world. Make disciples of all nations. Teaching them. Baptizing them. And He says, I'll be with you always to the end of this age. He says, go into all the world. Now, we've been doing church for the last eight years, nine years. We've been focusing a lot on us. But I feel that the, the next season for me and my wife, but I also believe I spoke to Andre at length on Friday, and he said, we need to take this beyond us. We need to go to the world. We need to imagine nations. Do you, do you know the biggest nation in the world? is imagination. Sorry. <laughs> 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 I don't think it's original. I, I think I heard it from, from somewhere though, but, <laughs> but that's what I want all of us to do. Next slide, please. I want all of us. Next slide to imaginations. I know I told you guys before and that when I, when I was a teenager, I've got the world map next to my wall and Jason you know, has probably seen that and uh, I think he has also practiced that in his own life, right? But I've got, a, I, I've got like, what I could find, the biggest world map I could find in those days, you have to understand that there was no like, you know, digital printing and all that. So I went to MPH or Times or Popular, bought a world map, which, which was, I thought, huge. Next to my wall and uh, my, my bed on my wall, and I just see it every single day. That's, again, how I reframe my reality. And whenever I go through my teenage, like, hormonal struggles, feel a bit depressed, emo, I'll look at the world map. And I said, Daniel, your problem, that rejection from that girl that you like, <laughs> you know, or, or that comment from a friend in your, in your school, is just a drop in the ocean. It's just a small fraction of the world. And I always remember the great command, the great commission. And I said, God, 
this is what I should be focusing on. And I want all of us this morning to imaginations. To imaginations. What can you do in your, in your life to impact nations? Now, not somebody might think, Daniel, I'm only a child. I'm 15. I'm still in school. I can't even impact my class. Well, that's fine. That's where you start. That's what Jesus said. All right? He says, I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit and you, you shall be my witnesses first in your hometown, in, Jerus in Jerusalem, but in, then to Judea, to Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And he's speaking that to a bunch of fishermen who has never left Capernaum or Galilee probably. And he says, uttermost parts of the world? The rest, the uttermost parts? Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. And I want all of us, whether you are young at 15 or you are 55 years old thinking, I'm past my prime. No, no, no. There's no retirement in the kingdom. It's only a refinement. All right. At 55, 65, imaginations. What can you do to change not just your household, that's where you start, not just Singapore, that's where you begin, but how can you impact nations? Singapore. I want, I want you to hear this, Singapore. That your destiny is not just survival or self-preservation, but your destiny is to be a blessing to nations. I want Singapore to imagine nations. We are small. We are being polarized right now in the multipolar world. Well, we can stand on, on our own feet. We can be who God has called us to be, secure in our identity, and agree that from the foundation of this, from, from the founding of this nation, God's dream is for us to be a blessing to nations. What's your part? As I, con as I conclude, I've got three questions. Very quickly, what if? What if? What if the City 2.0 includes you? You've been coming for a while. You have been sitting there for a season. But what if there's a need for a new life group? In, in, it, 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 it includes you. What if there's a need for a new ministry? It includes you. What if the Singapore dream in the next 50 years includes you? What if God's heart for this nation includes you? What if I want all of us to be open to new possibilities? To allow God to seed His dream into your heart this morning, next Sunday. What if, what if the next season requires that you step up your game? Do a little bit more. Do a lot more for some of you. What if? Be open to new possibilities. Pray and ask God to give you direction to, to do His will. Be bold. Be courageous. Don't back down. Don't say no. Say, God, I'm willing to be stretched. Next question. Why not? <laughs> Why not? What do you see needs to be done in the world? Define the problem. Why not? All right. I saw a need for a marriage platform in Singapore. I googled. There was no marriage conference. There was no National Marriage Day. And my mind starts kicking in and say, I can, just, I can just imagine. What about a National Marriage Day celebrating healthy heterosexual marriages? Can you see it? 
It will grow, become bigger and bigger. But why not start here? Why not the city? Why not those of us who have gone through MFL? Five bunch of graduates who may be still struggling a little bit here and there, but why not us? Why not this little tiny church that no one is really caring about? Why not we own it? It, it reminds me of uh, Sherwood Baptist Church in the US. All right, With $100,000, they, they made a movie called Facing the Giants. And then Fireproof, 1.5 million. And that was what actually inspired an entire industry, Hollywood. And they realized, wow, there's money to be made in faith-based movies and money starts pumping in. But it was a small, a few hundred members church in the US, Sherwood Baptist Church, and a bunch of people, they became the cast, the crew, the cameraman, and they acted in the Facing the Giants. I think it was called Flywheel. It was like the smallest budget. And then it starts to grow. Why not us? Why not you? The pastor acted in the movie. Why not the pastor? Why not? What do you see needs to be done? Define the problem. But why not? And then of course the next one is, I give you the, 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 the next question. Why not me? Why not me? Why not me? Whenever you hear a need, all right, don't say oh, it's for someone else. Ah, let Andre uh, figure out. Oh, Axel, uh, he seems like the next best guy. Oh, why not Axel? No, no, no. Moving forward as I close, why don't we remember, right? These this three questions. What if? Why not? Why not me? What if? Why not? Why not me? One of you can make this into a rap. What if? Why not? Why not me? It can sound Korean. <laughs> Why? Why not? What if? Why not me? Say yes. Why not me? Yes! Why not me? Yes! <laughs> can I have the band on stage, please? This is what I do best, guys. And I've, I've never, I don't know, I've, I've tried to teach like John Bevere. Just like, this not, I'm not John Bevere. I tried to teach like Bill Johnson I, and I said, that's not my armor. That's not my mantle. I feel a bit strange. I feel like I'm a copycat. I'm trying to talk like John or like Bill. I love it when, when Andre is excelling. But I said to people, I said to Andre, this is what I do best. And I'll keep on doing this. Once every few weeks, two months, three months, once a quarter, depending on our lead pastor moving forward, pull Daniel up here and ask us like inspiring questions. So what if, why not, why not me? That's, that's how I'm wired. I'm, I'm born to inspire the world, to dream bigger, to build platforms for you guys to flourish in. And I know my purpose. I'm very, very clear. Can we be a church that would dream big dreams? But start where we are. All these empty seats. It's a sad day to talk about this message. But listen to this word. Go back to it. The slides. Amen. Can we all stand?